says, hey Granger, this is Jesse from Azel, Texas. I just wanted to ask you if you ever struggle with depression and anxiety from time to time. And if you do, how do you deal with it? I'm in a really dark place in my life right now. My dad and grandpa were both killed in a car accident three months ago in Dallas. Mm. Other than my wife and kids, those were the two most important people in my life. And now they're both gone at the same time. Why? For what? So many good things to talk about today, and one of my favorite people to talk about it with, Bernie Calcote, back. back on the podcast. If you keep asking me, I'm going to keep coming. I'm not asking you. In fact, I'm like, you again, but people keep <laughs> people keep emailing That's saying, what I, said. I want more Bernie. People, yeah. people comment and say, bring Bernie back, and so that's what I'm doing. You could email me anything you want Granger Smith podcast at gmail.com. If you have a question, I will answer it. And Bernie is one of the best people to talk about your questions with. We go back 20 plus years of friendship, of dissecting life's problems of our own together. Mm-hmm. We've had, we've sat around um, many times and had a beer or two and discussed something deep in our lives. Or many phone calls. I've called you and said, Bernie, i got to talk to you about something, man. Something going on in my life. Can you help me? And you've done the same back to me. And I love your advice. And what's odd about Granger and I is that although our lives look very different, um, I feel like we have experienced some things just across the board that are very similar yeah. in life. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's very much helped us. Yeah. It's like... Oh, you're going through that, man. I'm going through that. Oh, yeah. you, dude, I, you turn me onto this and this, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, we have. I think that's a good way to put it because, guys, we don't have answers for you. We can dissect your questions and bring our experience. Yep. And discuss them. That's that's what we can do. We hope that you take, you know, some encouragement and some inspiration from it to dig into God's word, dig into community. Find some stillness, and that's where you're going to find your answers. Find your way out of being stuck or trying yep. to make a, a hard decision or trying how to do get, we get a, started. How do we start something that we've been wanting to do? And like you said last week, what this would be really cool is if we one day we hosted a live podcast, me and you, and answered people's questions live, had a live studio audience, and people could stand up on a microphone and just – and then you could ask your question, and then we could ask a couple back to get the mm-hmm. full story. But what I want this podcast to be, wherever you're listening, thank you for thank you for tuning in. I want this to feel like we're sitting around a campfire and we're, we've cracked a, a few beers and, and you say, can I ask you guys something, something I've been dealing with or something I've been wondering or something I've been worried about? And and we could go, huh, let's, let's dissect this and take a long time to answer it. And so some great questions lines up, lined up today. Can I do a quick shout out? Yes. Josh Thacker, my brother-in-law, faithful listener. Nice. Um, yee guy, loves you, loves everything you do, and was thrilled as much as me when you asked me to come on. Um, but I saw him just the other day, and he's just so encouraging, and um, it encouraged me just the way that he talked about this podcast and what we get to do. And so just love you, man. Dude, shout out. That's awesome. 
if if you if this podcast means anything to you, if you've listened before, and you hear a question that maybe you're going through, if someone else is going through something similar, the best thing you could do for Bernie and I is share it with that person. Just say, hey, dude, because this is what I do with other with other things, YouTube videos or podcasts. Send it to your buddy and say, hey, start at minute 1830 and do that's your life right now. Brilliant. So I, we that's would awesome. love nothing more than to grow this this audience on here for that reason. It, it's it's so fulfilling for us. And by the way, one time someone said on a comment, they said, Granger, be careful dealing with these people and their questions because you don't want to get pulled down into this dark world of dealing with their anxiety. And I just I just said I just thought, man. That's my calling yep. to some level. Like, bring it on. I want to get down in the dirt with some of these questions and dig into it because that's that's a fulfillment of some sort to me mm-hmm. to be able to dig in. I'm not worried about me losing my sense of reality by, by dealing with all these other questions. I'm not worried about it. I know you're not. Yep. So I'm going to start with um, at least one or two light questions, starting with this one. Once again, the, the email is grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. The first question comes from Jacob. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Jake. I'm from Grand Island, Nebraska. I'm 29 years old. My question is, have you ever done any fishing in Nebraska? If so, where? If not, you should check out some of the canals here if you're into catfish. What are your favorite things to fish for? And what type of big fish are there in Texas? Thanks for your podcast. I enjoy watching. Thank you, Jake. Um, I have not, I've been in Nebraska many, many times to tour, but I've never fished there. And I didn't even really know about these canals he's speaking of. Sounds cool. I've never, I've never even been to Nebraska. So dude, Nebraska is, I'm going to tag along next time Granger goes. You should actually, because if it wasn't for touring, I could say that I could start a lot of things with that sentence if it wasn't for touring, but I've gotten to see the flyover states that as a Texas boy, I typically wouldn't see like mm-hmm. Iowa, Nebraska, Illinois, Wyoming, Ohio, South Dakota, North Dakota, Kansas. There, there's a lot of these places that just the, the breadbasket of America, just good people and beautiful, yeah. beautiful places. And you go to, you go to in the summertime when it's everything's starting to turn brown in Texas and you go to Iowa, Nebraska, and it's just rolling beautiful green cornfields and a red barn on a hill with a white farmhouse and a windmill. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, that's America right there. Yep. <laughs> that is America right there. <laughs> I love it. I've never fished in Nebraska to answer your question, Jake. Um, I probably should in Texas. We have a lot of largemouth bass. Of course we have a lot of catfish. What we have interesting in Texas that's a little bit different than Nebraska is we have a coast. Mm-hmm. And so we also have, um, I'm not into deep sea fishing. My stomach can't handle it. But you're you're kind of from the coast a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're from, and uh, yeah. But I was just you know a poor boy going to the levee catching flounder. That's well, <laughs> that's, that's about what we could do. So that's where I was going to go. Fish, that's you know, where yeah. I was going to go though. Is because regardless of who you are, it it takes some money to go out deep sea. I yeah. can't do that. Yeah. But going to what we call the Laguna Madre, which is the there's a bay. That goes from South Texas, Mexico, all the way up through Galveston, and there's this space in between. There's usually a long island, 
and then there's a space between the island and the shore that's the bay. Mm. And it's in many spots, it's like two to four feet deep the whole way through. And mm-hmm. there's flounder and redfish and trout and stingray. And you could literally walk through it. Yeah. Because uh, yep. it's so shallow. And that is some of the most fun fishing I've ever done in my life. Is yeah. Take, especially if you can get on a little flat bottom boat and just go out a little bit and you can get into some redfish when they're spawning. Yeah. Those are fighting fish, man. So here, so let me just say, here is the secret that I never revealed to you guys. Okay. All right. Burn is a city boy. Okay. Yee Yee Nation. I'm sorry. Don't just like rid me off the podcast. We got city boys that listen to this. Okay. But here's the thing. I'm a city boy. From a small town. From a small town. But I have have Yee Yee tendencies. That doesn't make any sense. How are you a city boy from a small town? What does that even mean? Because like I, I live I I live in the city. I've lived in cities. I like the cities. I love the city life. I do love there's there's things about like country life, you know, outdoors, yee yee, everything that I love. But I wasn't raised with my dad taking me hunting and fishing and um but I need your help I need your guidance. The king of Yee Yee Nation. To help. I need your help to. I have a compound bow that my wife tells me I have to sell because I don't know how to shoot it. Can mm. you help me with that? Well, yeah. Well, you've been to Yee Yee Farm. We have. Yes, we're we here. have targets right out here for that. Just okay. To, we actually have a rack two doors over where we're sitting. That's a rack that, that holds compound bows. Okay. You guys are going to witness this. There's going to be the slow conversion to. I know how to do outdoor stuff better than I do now. I used I used to fish more than I do, but um, easy, dude, easy, easy. easy. Okay. Bring the bow next time you do the podcast. Bring your okay. bow. We'll make sure it's set up right, and okay. then we we have targets right out here. Parker goes out for as a stress relief and yeah, shoots his compound bow, and that's the that's the easiest thing you could have said to me. If you yeah. said I have a fly rod, or I have a new deer rifle, that takes a lot more effort to do those things. Yeah. Well, I want to know how to do those things too. I did go fly fishing in uh, Park City on the Provo River last yes. September, and I caught like five trout. It was a ama- it was like one of the best experiences ever. I did have a guide, but you know all right. we we all got guides in life, right? Yeah. Um, and it was really awesome. So I I am from the city. I confess, but uh, I'm here to learn more about the country boy life. Let's go, dude. Um, Teach me your ways. Country country life is in your heart, not in your closet. We like to say that a lot here. Okay, it's it's not about. We, there's plenty of of country dudes that lit, that are trapped because of work and family. Usually, mm-hmm. they're trapped in um, a concrete jungle. Mm-hmm. And then there's plenty of people that live on farms and ranches that are don't know anything about it. Yeah. So there it goes both yeah. ways. Yeah, you're right. You're I right. know you. You're from a small town. You yeah. just because your dad didn't take you hunting and fishing does not change anything about what's in your heart. Yeah. Right. You're right. That might have been the best piece of this whole question. That, <laughs> what you brought up. Um, thank you, Jake. So, Burn, do you want to take the reins here on some of these t- uh, subjects on these emails that I have? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? We have pulled in too many directions. Ooh. We have history question. We have Granger. I need some advice. 
We have promotion. We have alcoholic veteran needs help. We have a please read in all caps, and we have faith and friends, fan reactions. We have playing overseas. Some of these are ones we didn't answer from last week's podcast when you yep. were here. Anything stick uh, out? I want to go to the first one, but before we do that, I want to go to the please read because I don't want people thinking that if they're more creative with their sub- subject line, we're going to pick it. We're going to. It's just, hey, what are we? I like that. What, what are we feeling here? Let's go with it. it. Says, hey Granger, this is Jesse from Azel, Texas. I just wanted to ask you if you ever struggle with depression and anxiety from time to time. And if you do, how do you deal with it? I'm in a really dark place in my life right now. My dad and grandpa were both killed in a car accident three months ago in Dallas. Mm. Other than my wife and kids, those were the two most important people in my life. And now they're both gone at the same time. Why? For what? Why couldn't they stay here to get to know their grandchildren better? I know it's all part of God's plan, but I still struggle with it every day, and sometimes it makes life really difficult. One thing that does help me is when I'm down, when I'm down is cranking up Dirt Road Driveway or Remington while I'm cruising some back roads in the small towns. I know both, both, of, those, both of those albums better than, any of, than my own two hands. It says, anyways, thanks for all you do and continue to do. I love country things. Keep up the great work. Jesse. Thank you, Jesse, for your kind words. You didn't have to put those in there into this email, but thank you for that. Um, excellent question. So relevant to human beings. So natural for you to feel that way. I'm going to first of all validate your feelings here um, and just say it's natural for you to lose your dad and your grandpa in a car accident three months ago. And it's natural for you to say, why? For what? Why couldn't they be here to get to know their grandchildren? Mm-hmm. So you are justified in thinking that. Now, me and Bernie are going to take you in a new direction, but uh, but I first wanted to validate this, and and I also want to say I'm so sorry for your loss. We 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 struggle as humans. We will have struggle. We will have suffering. We will have pain if we haven't already. Or if we're not currently going through it, then we will. Why? Because we're humans and that's what's promised in a fallen mm-hmm. world. But, there's a big but here. We each have our own struggles and our own story in our own way. Meaning, whatever I've gone through and whatever Bernie's gone through, we cannot directly relate to losing a dad and a granddad in a car accident at the same time. Because that is your story. And that is your pain and your loss. And so I'm so sorry that you, you had to go through that. Do you know where you want to start with this guy? Um, yeah, so I would say a similar sentiment. It's just terrible. You're, you're still very much in the throes of grief, um, yeah. which is natural. You, you have to work through those. Um, I hope um, that you have God's word near to you. Um, as hope, as a foundation, um, as a, a reference, a point of reference to help, not answer, but to help navigate through that question of why and why now and all that. I hope that you have community around you. Um, um, and also, you know, I know that when we've lost people that counseling is very helpful um, to help uh 
process the feelings of grief and of, you know, trauma and whatever it is that you're experiencing. Um, so I'll first say that, uh, and Grange, I, I'm not sure which direction you want to go, but let me just draw from my own experience. There was a time that I had to process my, what I was feeling and what I had experienced. And I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. There was a time where I had to let my feelings go and I had to remember the standards that I had for my life and that my standards were going to dictate my life, mind, body, and spirit. My standards were going to dictate how I live those out versus letting my feelings continue to be the thing that talked to me, um, I, you know, that directed my actions, um, and I know that everybody has the timing of that is going to be very different for each of us. Um, for me, there was, you know, recently there was a very clear moment. And I remember journaling about all of this. And I remember waking up one day and making the choice. Today, I'm choosing my standards like this, you know, for my for my mind and protecting my mind and building a strong mind. Here is my standard um, my spirit, the word of God is my standard. My my body, my exercise is my standard. So I'm not just going to hit snooze and stay in bed anymore. No, I'm going to get up. I'm going to I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to work out. I'm going to like continue to do these things. Um, and through that and the relationships around me, I help. It helped me to find some healing. Absolutely. So, do you have any grandparents left or grandpas? I have one grandmother. Yeah. Yes. So one grandmother left. Yeah, I do too. I do not have, I do not have my grandfather's left and I do not have my dad left. So one thing I could, Jesse, I could relate to you. In fact, that I don't have a dad or a granddad and it, it does affect me when I think about the, this fairy tale world of the grandpas. We always think of this image of speaking of fishing. We think of grandpa fishing with the grandson and they're fishing for catfish on the, on the shore. And the kid says, grandpa, tell me about the good old days. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a Judd's country music song. And we think of this just beautiful picture. And then we, we go to our lives and we go, well, my kids, my kids don't have a grandpa. And, and then even worse than that, I think, man, my dad, my dad would have been that guy. He would have been the guy to take mm-hmm. home fishing mm-hmm. and to stand on the shore and talk about life. He would have been such a great grandpa in that way. And he died. And I'm sure that those kind of thoughts are go through your mind, Jesse. The, the best part of your email is that you said, I know it's all part of God's plan. Unfortunately, you added a but right after that. <laughs> you don't have to add that but. I understand that you struggle. What I want to do for you right now, Jesse, is I want to change the why. You said, why? Why? And you, you could put a God at the end of that. Why, God? Why would you do this? This was a great little plan we had. And, you know, this was a great setup. And now it's gone. So I want to change the why into, uh, instead of why, God, change it to, what do you need from me now, God? What, what do you want from me through this? And if you start focusing on that, 
it flips the whole script. Instead of acting like it's his fault and he made a bad a decision, like, did mm-hmm. you mess up? Well, God doesn't mess up. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He does not mess up. So you can't think, oh, God, you took the wrong one. You took the wrong mm-hmm. grandpa. This was perfect. You took my dad. This, is, this was a good plan. You messed up. So instead, flip the script and go, you're always right. Mm-hmm. So what do I need to do with this, this plan, this purpose, this life that you have now rolled out for me that's a little bit different than I thought it was going to be? What do I do with this now? And it flips the script and puts it back on you to start listening to more and following more of that purpose and that plan. Mm-hmm. And there's a million directions you can go, but when you flip it from, you messed up, God, why'd you do this? Which is a sentiment that everyone could relate to. You flip it to, okay, this is the hand I was dealt now. What am I going to do with this? How am I going to carry on dad and grandpa's legacy and teach my kids? Where, where do I go from here? And your whole world opens up at that point. Mm-hmm. When you realize that it wasn't an accident that your grandpa and dad died. Now, a lot of people are going to disagree when they hear that. But I believe mm-hmm. that God is sovereign. He's controlled. He controls everything. He has everything for a plan. He's, a, he's God of the living. Because to God, all people are alive mm-hmm. all the time. There is no death. Mm-hmm. I look at it like this. Have I told you the fish, the fish and the... Uh, We've talked a lot about fish, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the fish in the mud puddle. Yeah. So it's like, look at it this way. This is how God sees it. Because God doesn't see death. He sees it, us as eternal beings. So right now we're all in this muddy puddle. And I noticed this last summer when I was driving down this country road to get to the farm. There's this muddy puddle in the middle of a creek that's starting to go dry. And in Texas, this creek will go all the way dry. And eventually it'll be completely gone and dried up. There'll be nothing left. So I saw this puddle and I saw fish swimming in the puddle. And I was thinking, those fish don't know that they're all going to die in that puddle. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if I was going to play God in that situation, and I go and get one fish at a time, and I take the fish and I put it in a bucket, and I take it to a beautiful big lake that never goes dry, Mm -hmm. that has abundant food, Mm -hmm. abundant resources. It's Mm -hmm. perfect. And I take... What would the other fish say is I pick up one and take it to the lake? They'd say, oh, no. Why? Oh, you're gone. Yeah. He's gone. He's gone forever. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to miss him. We're never going to see him again. Mm-hmm. And me, at playing God in, in this situation, I'm like, would you just hush? I'm just yeah. taking you one at a time to the lake. The lake, you'll see everybody again. Yeah. It's abundant. It's beautiful. Yeah. You're so living curious. in a mud puddle. <laughs> you're living in a tragic mud puddle that is going dry. I know. And, and it's going to dry uh, up. And, and, and I, I feel like, in a way, God is taking, uh, one at a time, he takes us, and he takes us out of this terrible mud hole and that we think is perfect because it's our world. It's the only thing we know. And he puts us in the mm-hmm. lake. <laughs> and if you realize that your dad and your grandpa were never meant to do anything past this point. Mm-hmm. This was always their story. It was always written this way. That that car crash that happened with them was always supposed to happen that way. Then you don't live in this weird alternate reality of dad would have been dad would have been sixty seven today, and he would have been at my son's graduation, and he's right. there's the empty chair where he would have been sitting. And no, it's, it's that, that's impossible. Right. That never was going to happen. Yep. yep. Now that's that. I love when you speak in parables. <laughs> Dude, I love it. 
<laughs> I'm serious. I think that we all understand when it's spoken in parables that's so good. So don't be the fish in the mud puddle that's, you know, asking why. The the other part of this is it's completely okay to be where you are. You're three months after a tragic car accident. Just keep processing, keep pushing in. And I'd venture to say, Jesse, right? Yep. Venture to say, Jesse, that there was a point in your life where things were pretty good and you said a prayer. God, I just, I want to know you more deeply. Could have been as simple as that. What suffering and struggle and trials and these things do to us is they make us more dependent on God. They help us to know Him more. So we, in a way, He's kind of answering our prayers. It just sometimes doesn't come the way we want because it's like, oh God, I want to know you more. I know what you've been through in your life that you would say, man, I know God so much more deeply through this than when everything was good because we tend to not be as dependent. Yeah. But when we are just like stripped, vulnerable, hurting in pain, it's like we're, God's like, hey, you know, come to me, all who are weary. I'll give you rest. Like I'll be your comforter. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you everything that you need. Yeah. But the problem is, is we come to God with most of what we need, we think. Yeah. And so he's like, well, I can't help you. But if you're asking, then I'm going to take this away. I'm going to take this away. I'm going to take this away. Then I can answer your Boom. prayer. That's it. So, Jesse, here's your task. What do you do now? You take it one day at a time. You comfort your mother. You comfort your grandmother if she's still around. You give them what you need. You serve them. Serve your mother, who's now a widow. Mm -hmm. You be the rock that your family needs. Let your wife and your kids look to you and say, man, dad lost his dad and his grandpa, and he's still there for us. He's still strong. He's still the backbone. He's He's still emotional about it. Every once in a while, I see him cry about it. Mm-hmm. He's real. He's vulnerable. But he's not going to give up on us. That's right. He's not going to lose his mind. He's not going to quit on this family. He's not going to quit on his own mother. He's taking care of her. He's mm-hmm. bringing her meals. He's bringing her over. He's trying to comfort her. That's your task, one day at a time. And what happens is, buddy, all of a sudden a year goes by and you go, it's the year anniversary of Dad and Grandpa. And you look back and you go, am I... Am I a little bit stronger than I was at ground zero, day one? Yes. And then you keep going another day, another day, another week, another month. And then you're two years in. Then you go, I miss dad and grandpa, but I'm not as sad as I was. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years goes by. Mm-hmm. And you think about dad and grandpa and you look back on them with a smile and you remember Dad used to say that. Mm-hmm. Dad would. Dad loved that. And you're. Mm-hmm. And then you go. I'm smiling. I'm thinking, thinking of the of good things yep. about him. And then you start telling your kids. You go. You know what's funny? Your grandpa loved that chocolate cake too. Mm-hmm. He loved it. You're just like your grandpa. And mm-hmm. then they smile and you smile. And you're you're spreading that joy. And you're you're moving forward. You're never going to move on because they're always a part of you. You're never going to forget them. You're never going to separate farther and farther till you think, I don't even remember my dad. That's never. You're going to go to your grave, buddy. You're going to go to your grave with a good, strong memory of your dad and his impact on your life. And we said on the last podcast, the level, the level of your grief that you have for them 
equals the level of love that you had for them. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're grieving means the fact that you loved them. And that is infinitely more valuable that you loved them. And then they impacted you and you carry on now that legacy. That's your blood, man. That is your, that is your genetics that you're carrying on their name. You're passing on to your kids. And that is powerful. And that is how you, you fight this, this anxiety and depression day by day by day. Quick break. Be right back. If you're looking for a way to connect best with Yee Yee Apparel, say that you've seen the Yee Yee shirts around and you're like, I, I, I've been to the website and I like some of your stuff. Let me tell you a really cool way to get involved with us. We have a t-shirt subscription where you can get a brand new shirt that we don't sell anywhere else that's exclusive every single month if you sign up for this subscription you will get a t-shirt at your doorstep at the first of every month. This is a shirt you will not find on the road on tour, and we specially design it seasonally for that specific moment, that specific month. And it's just a really cool program, and I love watching it. We love going through our design process for this um, t-shirt of the month. And it's just always a little bit different, and we take a lot of pride, my brothers and I here at Yee Yee Apparel, uh, we take a little bit extra pride with our, our subscription service just because um, that's, that's, in a way, that's like our apparel fan club. I have my fan club at yeeyeenation.com, which is music-related and life-related to me, yeeyeenation.com. But at yeeyee.com with the apparel, the T-shirt subscription, it's kind of our baby. So check that out. It's also a really cool gift idea for somebody. You could gift them uh, that subscription service, and they're going to get a shirt without even looking, without even choosing, in their size, the first of every month, with a very specific design for them. I also wanted to talk to you guys about tour dates. We have a lot of tour dates coming up, and I think this is kind of a good opportunity to talk about it, we have May 28th in Caney, Kansas, May 29th in Lafayette, Louisiana, June the 5th in Bakersfield, California, June 9th in Houston, Texas, that's a radio show, June the 12th in New Braunfels, Texas, that's open to the public, June 17th, Rockton, Illinois, June 18th, Cincinnati, Ohio, June 19th, Jackson, Michigan, June 25th, Cadott, Wisconsin, I think somebody actually corrected me and said it's Cadott. Help me out. Comment below. Kadot, Wisconsin, on June 25th, and the 26th of June, Iowa City, Iowa. And I'll get into July another time. So those are all tour dates that we have in the book. In the books, we'll at, be adding more and more. We'll be coming to your town soon. You can find those at GrangerSmith.com. It's right there on the homepage tour. You could get tickets there on that splash page. And you could also get VIP tickets, which allows you to get backstage and hang out with me, get to have a conversation. We get to get to know each other a little bit better. We sell those VIP tickets for every show. If you can't do any of that, if you have no way of getting to my show and we're, there's no way we're coming to you because you live in Hong Kong, I don't know. I don't know where you live, but in a place that we would never tour, at least anytime in the near future, you can go to Cameo.com and find me on Cameo and you could book me for a a personal video message that I'll send to you. I could say whatever you need. Could be happy Father's Day. Could be happy birthday. Could be um, some kind of encouragement that you might need. But I love Cameo. I've been doing it a couple years now. I check that app uh, daily to look for your messages and to send out little FaceTime video messages to you. So it's a really cool way to connect. Yeah. So back to the podcast with old Burns. Yee yee. 
Digging into more questions here. If you have a question, email GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. We'll take anything from you, me and Burns. We will. Anything you got. So I'm kicking it back over to you. Okay. We have the subjects pulled in too many directions. That was the one Did that you want to from last dive time. in right yep, now? Yep, yep. Okay. Let's do it. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Cody. I'm from upstate of South Carolina. I came across some of your YouTube videos and started looking for your music and found your podcast. I'm really thankful for you guys and the way you take a stand in your faith and giving more believers hope. I have a wife of eight years, two sons, age six and two. I also work a full-time job where I'm a supervisor. As my kids get older and my job gets more and more demanding, I feel pulled in so many directions that I just can't breathe. I work all day. I come home and cook and do stuff with my boys. The boys are really attached to me, so I pretty much take care of what they need. Then my wife wants me to give her attention and do stuff she wants me to get done. Any advice on managing time with all this and getting some time to breathe? Thanks. God bless. Cody. We could all relate to that, buddy. Yeah. Good question. Great question. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of folks, I mean, a lot of folks out there, especially in our culture, that are stretched thin and stuffed full too much. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's dive in. A, a wife of eight years. Yeah. You're also in a very, this is Cody. You're also sure. Cody in a very uh, busy time just of life, right? right. A very, like, you, you do, you're in a season of life where you do have um, a lot of things and people that are going to be kind of tugging at you naturally. Yep. Young kids. Yeah, you're you know. a supervisor, so you also have that means you also have a lot of people working under you. Yeah. That are depending on you and your leadership and they're not all moving in the same direction, which is probably frustrating. Um you didn't even say any of that, but I just know it from from you being a supervisor. Um you got boys, two boys, six and two is not easy, especially that two year old. He's attached mm-hmm. to you, he takes a lot of energy, everyone knows that. Um, of course, your wife wants her attention, and that, yeah, absolutely. She wants you to get stuff done. Yes. So managing time and still getting time for you to breathe. Um, let's start with I, – anytime I think about time management, I always want to go first to time blocking. Mm-hmm. And when what I would recommend, Cody, is – Going through a seven-day period, one week of, first of all, without changing anything, without doing anything differently than your current life, start writing down your full day and what you're doing and how many hours you're doing it. Starting when you wake up, all the way down to lights out, do that for seven days, and then review on the eighth day, review your previous week and look at where you're putting your time. So it could be, you know, for you woke up at this time and and took 30 minutes to make coffee, brush my teeth, take a shower, get dressed. Um, Then you give your commute to work. That takes time. Then you have, uh, you know, you could block out your day, like your lunch break. What does that look like? Um, when you get home, what do you do at night? And then all the way up to your lights out, look at that. And you are going to find instantly, you're going to look at that and go, 
I literally spent two hours doing that. Mm-hmm. And you'll immediately start finding things that you could either eliminate or um, help to make better. Right? Absolutely. So let's put it this way, since we are just talking about speaking in parables. Let's say you go to the gym and you throw the headphones in and you walk in and you're like, okay, um, let's uh, maybe walk over to the bench. I'm going to do that. And then you're like, okay, well, man, my legs are still kind of sore, but I need to work those out. So I'm going to do that. And then and then you're kind of like, man, I don't really know what to do next. And so then, you know, you just kind of work your, your way around. Um, you kind of get frustrated a little bit because you don't have anybody guiding you, but you're trying to get a good workout in. You don't really feel, it's hard to push yourself. So your workout is kind of halfway anyway. Um, you, you know, have a TV at the gym, so you end up just watching ESPN for half the time, right? Yep. Well, let's change that to something more like Granger's saying. Let's say that you prepare before you go to the gym. And you talk with somebody else. Hey, I'm trying to make this the most, the best workout I can. Okay, well, what do you want to work out? Hey, well, I want to, here, here's my goals, okay? So you have to first set your goals, right, at the gym. And then you ha- you work, okay, here's, here's my workout. I go on Mondays, and this is what I do. And you get done with that, and you just feel more accomplished. You feel better. You were able to give the smaller amount of, workouts and exercises you did, those muscle groups were given more attention and worked out better knowing mm-hmm. that tomorrow I'm going to hit my legs and I'm going to give those the attention. Yeah. And eventually you're going to reach your goal. So bringing that back to the family and the work and everything, you have you have to kind of like establish yep. your goals. Like what what do you want your family life to look like? What kind of involvement do you want to have with your kids? What kind of what kind of date nights do you want to have? What with work, what is your, what, what do you see your supervisor role looking like? I think you prepare, and then you, like Granger said, whenever you are in that thing, you be completely present in that thing, knowing that one, you're going to serve that thing better, whatever it is, your kids or your job, you're going to serve it better being fully present, and that those other things, you've already prepared and allotted time for those things. So they're going to get, and when they do get you, when their time comes, they're getting all of you. They're not getting a distracted, disproportionate part of you, that they're mm. getting all of you. Man, I could go so many places with this, Cody, and because I love this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. here's, here's uh, I'm going to give you some tasks here. You, you need that those seven days of recording what you're doing first because you got to have a starting point so that then you could look at and like I said don't change anything before you start writing it down because you want to look at what you did but here's after you do that you're then going to be able to tweak and I would suggest um, I would suggest this first get up earlier yeah you're a five or five thirty guy five thirty you're a five I am too me and Bernie are both five thirty a.m we wake up. And I do not start work-related things at 5.30 in the morning. I get up. That is my time. Cody, you need your time. If you want time to breathe, look at this. When you get on an airplane and they say in case of uh, a low-pressure situation, they're going to drop mask out, you put your mask on you first, and then you put the mask on your children. They do that because you have to be in good health to be able to take care of anybody else. So you need to be good 
if you want to give your wife the time and mm-hmm. give your boys the time and give your employees the time, you need to be good first. So I would suggest first set that alarm 5 or 5.30. That seems to be like the time right there. Mm-hmm. And you get up and you have your coffee. It's quiet. No one in the house is awake. It's still dark outside. You could do your reading. You could do like, that's usually my Bible time. That's when I pull out and I have a little reading plan and I love it. I crave it. No one's going to bother me. I don't check my phone. I don't check my text. I don't check my emails. It's me and a cup of coffee in a quiet environment. Everyone's asleep. And I open up the word of God. That's me. That's, that is something now Mm -hmm. it's like Christmas morning, every morning. I have to do that. I do it seven days a week. Oh, I have to because I love it so much. It's also going to force you to go to bed a little bit earlier because you're just not going to be able to function if you're going to bed at midnight. Mm-hmm. You're not, it's going to catch up with you. So you're going to push your whole nighttime routine up, which I think is valuable because you start getting into trash time, I, talk, I, I like to call it, at night when your brain's tired. And that's the time when it's easier just to cruise Instagram or cruise Netflix or mm-hmm. watch ESPN way too long where you've seen the same news rotate twice in a row and you're having meaningless conversations with your wife it doesn't matter so you're going to go to bed earlier which i think is good too and then exactly what bernie's saying if you start planning your day and this is this is i'll give you some things to start with start with the cell phone you make it very clear with your boss that your phone for work and i'm sorry i don't know your work and i don't know the exact hours but i would say something i'm going to average out here your phone turns on at 8 a.m. and it turns off at 6 p.m. That's a long window, but you do not reply to a text or a call or an email after your given time, which I'm suggesting 6 p.m. We're actually uh, we're building a house right now, and the, the the construction supervisor, when I first met him day one, he said, "What's up, man? He's a super cool guy named Rob. We met, we talked, and he said, uh, just so you know." Um, I have family time, so my phone comes on at 8 a.m. and it cuts off at 6 p.m. I'm just not going to reply after that. He made it clear. It wasn't rude, mm-hmm. and I, was, I respected that. And to mm-hmm. this day, I'll think of something. Oh, I need to ask Rob. And I look at my watch, and it's 6.05. I don't text him. Yeah. I don't call him. I got to yeah. wait till tomorrow. You establish how people treat you and how people communicate with you from the way you respond to them. And no one is going to blame you. You're not a 24-7 guy, man. You can't be that. You can't have your phone on your nightstand and answer it at midnight because there's a problem at work. Like I said, yeah. I don't know what your job is. If you're a brain surgeon, it's just there's going to, it's going to be different. But mm-hmm. start with your cell phone and establish your times when it's on for work. And do not deviate from that. If you have your weekends off and you're with your boys, you're not looking at your phone work-related. Yep. The second thing I would do is schedule, just like Bernie said, schedule your entire week. And you could do it daily. You could do it during your 5.30 when you wake up and you're having your coffee. That could be a good time to say, all right, what am I going to do today? And there's so many good apps for reminders and checklists sure. and to-do lists. You set, you go, okay, I got this, 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 I got this meeting. I get this. It's going to be a busy day because of this. And here's my lunch. And then you, you look at that and it's no more, no less than what you write down. And then your wife, schedule her in there. I know that doesn't sound romantic, but you need to schedule your family time, your kid time, and your wife time in your book. So you go Thursday night, dinner, we're going to go to dinner at 6 o'clock. 
and you're going to put that and nothing will take you out. That is your schedule. So if, if your boss calls and goes, hey, I actually need you to work late, you go, I'm so sorry. I have, a, I have something I cannot get out of on Thursday. Because mm-hmm. it's in your schedule. You're going to dinner with your wife. You're giving. And when you're with her at dinner, the phone's down, and it's, babe, tell me about your day. You're, you're soaking in her. It's a good adult conversation. And you do the same thing with your kids. Mm-hmm. You, you schedule your kids' times. You don't have to always do this the rest of your life, but you, because you email me, Cody, you need to establish this early, and so you need to be regimented about it. Yep. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's great. The last thing that I'll add is that um, you also have to understand that you, your boss or your colleagues, um, your friends, just being on social media or living in the world we live in, you're going to see things that entice you to cross your boundaries in order to accomplish more things, to earn more things, to do more things. Mm. So at the end of the day, you need to, you know, kind of do it, everything Granger's talking about, but then pray over it and say, God, I, I trust that you're going to bless my work. You're going to bless my focus you're going to bless the amount that I am investing in people and the work you've put in front of me. And and what ends up coming, the reward that comes from that, you're going to find, and, and this is the tricky part, is to find contentment and what comes of it and not say, oh man, well, I know I said that 6 p.m. thing or whatever it was, but man, my boss said, if I just work till 7 for the next month, I'm going to get this bonus or I'm going to get this new opportunity. And so, um, like you said, you, you stick to those things, not, you know, out of like a militant nature, but you stick to them out of, um, faithfulness to your priorities and saying, look, I'm, I'm content with the amount of money that I'm going to make, um, because I'm not willing to give up the other things that I have prioritized time with my family, um, space margin in my day to like serve others and take a phone call or sit and talk with somebody that needs to talk with somebody. Um, if I was just always go, go, go and stuff everything thin and want to accomplish more, I would basically have to say, Hey, Granger, I can't talk right now. I gotta, I I'm, I'm working. And, yep. but if you leave that margin and you're okay, you're just saying, Hey, God's going to provide and be content in that because you're always going to see things that you continue to just push those boundaries on, and it's just not really worth it. I've learned. You said the word contentment. I've learned in in maturity that that how important that word is, and biblically mm-hmm. what that word means. Being content. Being content. Paul says, "I have learned to be content in, in all, all circumstances." circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is true maturity of a man mm-hmm. is knowing. That there's always another opportunity, Cody. There's always another problem. There's always another bad situation with one of your employees. There's always another uh, bonus you could be getting. Always. And sometimes you have to know when to cut it off and just be content where you are. In my life, I have tour dates coming in. I could be on paper. I could be a lot more successful to the rest of the world 
if I just accepted everything and mm-hmm. fought every battle and fixed every problem and didn't get any sleep and neglected my family and took another tour date that came in that replaced a little family vacation I was supposed to be having and then took another date that missed a good buddy of mine that's getting married. I'm not going to be at his wedding now because there's a tour date that's going to make more money. I could do that. And what would I have to show for it in my life? That's right. Or let's just flip the script on that and say, because what you're trying to do in in saying no to some of these tour dates is be faithful to your priorities. Mm. But your career is a priority. It's a work that God's put in front of you. So what if the inverse of that would be just declining all opportunities? Yeah, exactly. So it's... it's Exactly right. The, we have been given these things to steward our work, our families, our children. Yeah. And it, it, it is a tough, it, it, it's a tough balance. And you're kind of in the throes of it right now. You're kind of growing your career, you're growing your family and growing pains is a real thing. So Dude. just keep, keep fighting, take some of the things, the practical things that uh, Grizz has just told you and put them into action. These, these are all just words and experiences but the part where all of this starts to change our lives is when we say, I'm going to do that. I love this question, Cody. I'm so glad you asked it. Well, I've heard before that life is life is juggling. You're juggling constantly. Now, But remember as you're juggling that when you have these juggling balls, you have your rubber juggling balls and your glass juggling balls. So as you're juggling all these together, remember there's some of them you could drop and they're going to bounce. Some of you drop and they're going to break. So just keep in mind where your glass ones are. That To me, that's your family and your kids. There's certain ones you cannot drop. And there's certain ones that's usually work-related or hobby-related that you could occasionally drop them. They're going to bounce right back up into your arms. Those are the rubber ones. So life is a juggle. Love it, enjoy, enjoy it, dude. Dude, we are dropping parables like <laughs> nobody's business this week. Here's one that says... Here's a, it says, hey, Granger, here's an easy question. What are your top three favorite eras slash events in history and why? It comes from Lakeisha. Okay, I'll let you, I'll let the history buff take this one first. That's a tough one, Lakeisha. Um, it's tough. What are my three favorite eras? Um, I love, I mean, should we discount biblical times? I mean... I don't think you can. I mean, I think if we're talking about history. Because wouldn't you want to see the yeah the life, the teachings of Christ, the, yeah. the three years of ministry of Christ? Yeah. We could got to add that in there. I, yeah. I love that. And uh, Bernie and I both look at, uh, we look at Christianity as a historical event. So there's a difference. I know some of you have asked questions like about faith and spirituality and kind of thrown out the word religion. And I do want to say that I am, I, I kind of reject the word religion when it comes to Christianity because I'm religious when it comes to working out. I'm religious oh, yeah. when it comes to um, making my tour list, I mean, my, my set list on tour. I'm religious when it comes to eating certain things mm-hmm. and making my coffee and making my shakes. And, and so religion is a tough word. I like to throw that out. But we look at Christianity as a historical event. So our faith is based on the Word of God that we read in the Bible, but it's, but it's also backed by historical evidence. And so 
what the reason I say that is because it's just not a, a fairy dust religion that some man had un, a dream under a tree that an angel visited him and spoke spoke a prophecy and yeah. we just believe it. Why? Because he said it and we feel it. It's more than that. We believe it because it's, it's a set of historical mm. events that happened but in front of eyewitnesses that wrote it down during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. At one time during the resurrection, over 500 at one time, 500 people saw it. So I look at uh, biblical history as a big backbone of the reason I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. You like how I, would, I, was, I, would, you like how I fit that all into yeah, this that question? Bodhi, yeah, I was, I was tracking with you. Um, I, I would take that for sure. Um, I think medieval times would be kind of cool. Yeah. Not because I'm like, you know, well versed in uh, anything that actually happened, <laughs> but based on the entertainment that I've seen, I think that the medieval times would be kind of cool. Just to see, like, yeah. how did you guys live Dude. without yeah. these things, and what did you do? What did you do for like? What did you do for fun? Like, what you you know? I say the same thing about the old west. The old west fascinates me and i'm a huge fan of western yeah. movies yeah. it fascinates me because it was a time period following the civil war that and it, it's like post-civil war pre-railroad there's a short 20-year time it you could even get even narrower it could be like a 10-year period when there was these cowboys taking driving cattle north to auction from from Texas, from Mexico, from Oklahoma, driving them north up to Montana and selling them in Kansas City and, and selling them. It, it's, that only happened in a short period of time when these old war, Civil War veterans needed work and there was no fences and no railroad. And yet, during that short time, we have, we have put that into the fantasies of mankind ever since. And the, yeah. the movies and books and culture and and heroes and cowboys have just they just became this legacy. And I love to watch a western, and it's usually the same type idea on every movie. I'll watch mm -hmm. it all over again mm -hmm. because you think about the old saloon and kicking open the doors, and there's the girls yeah, in the brothel, and you walk yeah. up to the bar and you say, "Whiskey." Yeah. And they slide and they it slide, down the bar. Slide you. Down shot, you take a shot and you slide it back and he pours another one out yep. of that same looking, it looks like a wine bottle, but it's full of whiskey. Yep. Pours it and he slides it and it's like, you're dirty. And it's like, you're so, you're so thirsty. You've been out on the, on the prairie all day. And the first thing you drink is whiskey, not water. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because the water was nasty anyway. I, man. I'll, and then you see the guy, crazy. the guy comes out of the shadows and you're like yeah everybody's bar stools kind of like you know pull back yeah, yeah man i'd love to so be you're not from around here yeah <laughs> yeah it's either the I'd guy that's to... playing poker in the corner or yeah. it's the sheriff that walks through the double doors and yeah. says where'd you come from yeah <laughs> you know like man i, I hey, love it remember when we decided to hop the or try to hop the railroads and almost got run over and then <laughs> and we slept out in somebody else's pasture Surrounded by cows the next morning. We ended up getting back on the railroads and walking to that small little cafe. Yeah. I feel like that's what people did when we walked in because we were that's just exactly like right. dirty as anything. Small town cafe. We walk in and it's just like, 
Dude. Everybody was looking at us like, live who, are for these, movie. who are these guys? So the, I want to go one more place. World War II. I'm so passionate about World War II and that era of history. And I'll tell you why. Because that was a time similar to the Old West when things were changing, like technology was changing so fast. And there was a time when Germany was going to take over the whole world. And they had a plan for it. And if it wasn't been for just a few mistakes here and there, they would have done it. And the fact that the world, a lot of the world, came together as allies and defeated them and flipped the script where they went from the aggressor to the defenders of their homeland in Germany. And we won it through the air. The majority of World War II was won from superior air power. And what really gets me going and gets me just thinking is that first of all, that kind of war will never happen again. And the way that our air power dominated them. So my grandpa was a pilot of the B-24 bomber. So I might be a little biased in that way, but in your, in the war in Europe, we decimated their cities. Terrible, terrible thing that we did. We had to. Americans bombed by day, the British bombed by night, and we never stopped. Once we had a foothold on them and we had them on the run, we were manufacturing aircraft in the United States in the Ford plant, the GMC plant. No more automobiles were being made. We flipped it all to aircraft. There was women making these bomber planes in there. And the country has never united like that. It never had before, and it never has to this day like we did in those few short years to beat Germany. We all came together and we, we, we made war bonds and we, we get our money together. We, we stocked food together. We, we collected metal together. We collected rubber together. We, our women that were, that were widows or had men overseas, they came together in these factories and the factories said, here's the keys. We no longer are going to make cars. You do whatever you got to do, make airplanes. And then we took those airplanes and we flew them over Germany every single day and bombed the crap out of them. And it's a terrible, like I said, it's a terrible thing. I love the country of Germany. I love visiting and it breaks my heart that we were forced to do that. We had to, because that was the only way at the time. It's the only way we knew how, and it's the only way it was winning the war, but we decimated these ancient medieval cities and we didn't have strategic bombing. We didn't have good precision. So we were just, just, go. just dropping them and hoping that we hit the refinery and half the time we were hitting neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And that's the terrible thing about World War II, but it's just so fascinating. that And they were not surrendering during this mm-hmm. whole They were fighting to the end. And so I don't think we'll ever see, oh, God willing, we'll never see the world in that kind of state again. And it wasn't before that with that kind of devastation. So, yeah, that's, I have to put that in there. Let me ask you this. The B-24 music video, is it still up? On the internet, yeah, it is okay. Go watch that if you haven't seen it. I yeah. Love that. It's a parody, by the way. Yeah, but it's uh, amazing. You know, this guy can do a parody like nobody else. Um, so I did, I did biblical, I did medieval, only because I want to get on the horse and do the thing, the joust. But right. I want to make sure my sticks a little bit longer than the other person's. That would be kind of cool, and the armor and everything. Um, my third, I would think I would want to live in the era. 
where space travel is as common as air flight right now. Yes. I yes. think I think that's I hope I'm still alive. I feel like there's people working on that becoming something very common, but I think that that would be Absolutely. to be able to see the earth from that viewpoint. I think that would be pretty cool. We're running out of time here on this podcast, but I want to show you Bernie. If if anyone can Google Google Berlin 1945 and look at look at this you're talking the whole city is destroyed. Wow. And the aerial shots of Berlin is it's just like look at you can just zoom in and it's just nothing but rubble. Wow. Crazy. That's all we got. <laughs> you guys are awesome. All right. Love hey, burns. hey, thanks for having me yeah. back, guys. See y'all are the best. Yee yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.